It's okay. We're going live. All right. Hey, everybody. I hope you're doing good today. Maggie here with Peace to Your Best Life. And I have Cheryl with me today. And you want to get this out to your friends. You want to share this on your timeline uh, because she's got some words of encouragement. Super excited to have her as a guest today and grateful you all are here. So, Cheryl, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Maggie. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you, viewing audience. I can't wait to um, hear back from you guys to see what God has done for you through this. So I'm excited. Yes, we're so excited to be here because I'll tell you, whenever I run across a woman that is passionate about Jesus, I just have to share her with the world, uh, the people that I know. So some of you may know Cheryl, some of you may not, but she's a very impressive woman and she is number one and um, and foremost a uh uh, daughter of the Most High King. I mean, she is passionate. I read through her bio and it's so impressive. I won't go through it all, but it is in the in the chat stream and I want you to read it because she's done a lot of different things. And and recently, uh, well, maybe not so recently, but recent to me was an amazing book that came out and she's in the process of doing another book. But in the meantime, she's wore many hats over the years. She has comes from a deep spiritual uh, background and upbringing, as well as has done missionary work. She has homeschooled her children. So you want to get on this broadcast, get it out to your friends, especially those uh, that have ears to hear what God is saying in the season. So, Cheryl, thank you so much for oh, um, I want to start first with the beginning and your call to ministry, because I know you stepped into that role at a very young age. So tell us a little bit about your spiritual heritage and how the Lord brought you into that. Um, my dad's side of the family, he comes from a long line of um, missionaries, evangelists and pastors. And my dad in our area, we lived outside of Las Vegas, Henderson, Nevada. And my dad was known as a Bible answer man. And I remember that time in um, our church, I think it was like every six months or every year, they would try to stump my dad on the Bible. <laughs> and, and But that's how he raised me was anytime I had a conflict or anything, he said, what does the Bible have to say? I used to think, I don't care what the Bible has to say. I want to know, tell, you know. Um, but I'm glad he, he raised me that way to find the answers, to find what I was looking for in the Bible. And, um, at that time in my life, though, I, I will be honest, I couldn't find the answers. I'm like, it doesn't tell me how to make my bed or whatever. You know? <laughs> um, but later on in life, actually, when you do start um, learning scriptures more and, and putting them more together, you can't find the answers. Um, my mom's side of the family, my mom's Sunday school um, school teacher was a Sunday school teacher and knew my mom needed spiritual help and took her to church. And my mom got saved at 12, 13 years old. And through my mom, she, um, her whole family got saved. And as far as I know, um, all the cousins, aunts, uncles, everybody's saved. Um, and they went from like the scallywags of the community to being um, pillars of the community, doctors and lawyers and stuff. And it just starts with one little girl accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Wow. So, I love that. I love how the Lord, whenever he saves one and there's so many, I've had so many testimonies over the years where maybe a child has gone to church with a neighbor and, and found out about Jesus and then come home and then the whole household is saved. You know, I'm a firm believer. If they can get a hold of Papa, they get a hold of dad, then the whole family's going to come in. So what a beautiful story. And I love how he had you search the scriptures. 
to find the answers because they're all there and they're not people like how to make the bed or how to how to do this or how to do that but my goodness there's a wealth of information now i know that you don't just study the word based on uh the various translations you study the greek and the hebrew Right. That is incredibly power because that's how it was written and how we're to interpret it. So what made you so passionate about that? Was it that seeds that your father planted in you to go deeper in the word or how did that all come about? Um, I am very visual and um, I would read my Bible and I could read the entire chapter and they would say, what was it about? John the Baptist? What about John the Baptist? I don't know. Um, I just couldn't. I was, I was visual. You know, I needed the pictures and sometimes the reading, I don't know if I had an issue with reading comprehension or what, but, and also I'm self-diagnosed ADHD. My mind wanders. I could start reading a verse, train up a child and, oh, look at the bird. Oh, look at the, you know, and I hope that cat doesn't get the bird. Oh, I meant focus, focus, focus. And I really had a hard time reading and I moved out into the world with some wonderful Christian girls. And uh, um, one of my roommates discovered a way of reading the Bible. And we have these books and lexicons and encyclopedias and stuff. And it actually worked for me. Mm-hmm. When I read a verse or several verses in the Bible, it could take me three months to get through it. And I kind of like laugh at people who are like reading a chapter a day. It's like, <laughs> it takes me months to get through a chapter. Reading every day. Because I'm dissecting the word of God. And the, the way she taught me to, to do it works with my ADHD. Because I could like look up a verse and it'll trigger a word. And it's like, what is that word? And so I would take it to the Greek and the Hebrew. And then all of a sudden, that's taken me to another place in the Bible. How do you use this word? You use it in these verses. Don't use it this these verses. That's another Greek or Hebrew word. And so I would be down these rabbit holes of, of how this one verse, it matches up with this verse in Deuteronomy, this verse in Revelations, this verse in Acts, and I'm all over the place. And um, it just worked really good. But through that, my love of wanting to know exactly what God was wanting to tell us Mm. Uh, the Greek and the Hebrew got me more into learning Greek and Hebrew so that I got not uh, a translation that some monk did in what century. It's taken back to what was written. And I love it. I have um, Greek friends who read out of the Greek Bible, and I have Hebrew friends who read out of the Hebrew Bible. And so I'm verified. It's been confirming. It's like, what does this verse say? Exactly. That's what I learned. You know, so that's where my love started just from my own defects, my own. um, I couldn't. um, I I don't know how to say that. My own disability or my own defect of not being able to read God's word. God took me to a place that worked alongside what I thought was a defect. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I absolutely love it because he takes our weaknesses and that's where it gets really strong. So he took you back to the original text, the original, this is what my intention. And it's so important. So for those of you watching, uh, there are a lot of resources out there online that are free, but it is important to study the scriptures. You know, uh, the apostle Paul told young Timothy study to show yourself approved. And so whenever we have, and I, I totally get the ADH thing, 
Well, this is all part of my CBD. Is <laughs> because of you know bird squirrel, you know, um, and. So we have to stay focused on the truth. And it's hard whenever we're constantly being distracted with the world. For those that do not know uh, how the scriptures were written, Cheryl, will you go into that for them? Because I assume there's some people watching today that might not even be Bible readers yet. And if they're new to the scriptures, why don't you explain to them and why out the new Greek and the Hebrew and all of that? Okay. Um. In the beginning, God created, and God created the world, but God was with us. God was wanting to have a plan, and his plan, I don't want to, I don't want to define his plan, because I'll be honest, I don't 100% know his plan. I know that I am involved in a plan where I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's my plan. And so he created the world, and he had a group of people that he needed to um, instill in them records of history, the historical books, and keep up from, from the very beginning God created all the way through um, the Greek Empire, and those were the Jews. And they kept historical documents to the T and registered everything. And so some of those books is what we call canonized. They chose some of those books to put in our Bible. And they were originally written in Hebrew. And then you had um, the time of Christ, and the Christ came. And then um, the years following, we have the, the writings and the teachers, teachings of Paul and Peter and some of the others. And um, in God's great wisdom, he, um, during this time of the Old Testament and New Testament, he had the Greeks go out and conquer the world. And one of the things that they wanted them to do, everybody had to learn Greek. You can be Romanian and have your language, but you also had to have Greek. You can be a Scythian and have your language, but you also had to have Greek. Everybody had to speak one language. And so when the New Testament was written, it was written in the Greek. So that everybody around the world, no matter where it went, could understand what the Bible said. And so, um, so, the Bible was written over a period of 1,500 years by 40 men. Actually, I believe it was 39 men and one woman. I believe Phoebe wrote Hebrews. I don't want to get into any, any, any arguments or whatever, but that's just my belief. Let's just say man, universal. Um, so anyways, 1,500 years, 40 men. The Bible specifically said God inspired these men to write. And I get people who's like, how can you believe the Bible? How can you not? When you have 1,500 years, 40 men from various cultures and locations and countries and, and this and that, how can you not believe it? Because it all fits together. <laughs> you know? so, so we can believe in the Bible. So when I say that I read the Bible from the Greek and the Hebrew, the reason why is because it was originally written in the Greek and the Hebrew. We were talking earlier, um, Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when he is old, he will not part from it. That's what we have in our translations, give or take a few words or whatever. If you were to open up the Torah, the Hebrew Bible, and you were to read Proverbs 22, 6, it would say, initiate a well-worn path with a child so he can mouth. 
Now, when we read that in, in our translated Bibles, train up a child, I'm thinking, okay, I got six kids, I gotta train them, you know, whatever that means. If I read it in the Hebrew, all of a sudden it says, Surely you initiate a conversation with Maggie or somebody. You initiate with somebody. Who's a child? Initiate a well-worn path with a child. I'm a child. My parents are still alive, praise God. Maggie's a child. That that homeless woman is a child. That lady you keep seeing at the grocery store, she's somebody's child. God is telling you at your exercising place, hey, you see that person over there? Yeah, but let me listen to my iTunes. <laughs> no, God is saying that lady over there that you're exercising with needs you. That is called initiating that well-worn path with any child out there, whether they're um, six years old or 56 years old. You initiate a well-worn path with a child. Um, I'm going to go ahead and continue. I'm preaching. <laughs> but nowhere in there does it say that we are judge, jury, or executioner. We walk this path with this person. We walk it daily. And But the responsibility is on us because we have to be in the Word of God. We have to have a relationship with God because what that's ultimately going to do is rub off on this person that we're walking with. We can't tell that person how to live their life. It's not our job. We can't tell that person that they're wrong. It's not our job. And I say that because, you know, we live in a culture right now. We've got them and those and the haves and the haves not and Democrats, Republicans and Black Lives Matter. You know, it just drives you crazy. Yeah. Okay, if you were if you are a biblical Christian, that would not drive you crazy. That would not bother you. Do you know why? Because the Bible says specifically there's only two groups of people, two, the saved and the unsaved. That's right. And Jesus Christ is that bridge between the two. And we cannot, we cannot put ourselves in a group or recognize a group except for a saved or an unsaved. So as we're initiating a well-worn path, only Jesus Christ can bring that person to salvation. Only the Holy Spirit can bring that person to the, to the saving grace of God. Not us, but Christ through us, the Holy Spirit through us as we're walking that initiated path. Then that person will look at our lives and say, hey, what does that person have that I don't have? And it's the Holy Spirit moving through us to them that's going to bring them to Jesus Christ to get them onto the other side. And um, when I do coaching or counseling, um, counseling does not work. I'll just be honest. I know a lot of people are going to be out there and they're going to argue with me. Christian counseling does not work. The only thing that works is to bring somebody to Jesus Christ. That person needs a healer. That person needs a physician. That person needs a redeemer. That person needs a deliverer. That person needs a savior. That person, whatever it is, the answer is in Jesus Christ. Any counseling or coaching that we do has to lead somebody to Jesus Christ. Nothing else works. You can sit with a person all day for years. If you do not bring them to Jesus Christ, it will not work, period. And as a counselor or a coach on the other side of the cross, what do you do? You bring them back to the cross. You're having these problems because you haven't gone back to the cross. You've got to cover this by the blood. You have to have Jesus. He is the only one that's going to redeem, redeem you, save you, deliver you, whatever. 
And it's only through the cross. How do people know this? We initiate the well-worn path with a person. So they will mouth. What is mouth? Give a testimony. Give everything back to God. We share our lives with other people. They get saved. We both have a testimony. Our mouth is going to proclaim the glory of what God has done. Sorry. Oh, I took over. Oh, <laughs> Rachel, I, have to, I have to agree with that. You know, I have a Christian caring the reality is, is I take a method similar to what your father did of going back to the scriptures. What does the scripture say about your liberating for for people? And because people know who they're like. So let's talk about your book. My, my book, yes. Um, that came out of a teaching series, and I did put it in my book somewhere. I think that you know, forgive me, I'm not a writer. I am a teacher. I was asked to speak at a women's retreat. And they kind of gave me the verses, um, my mind just went blank. Oh, 1 Corinthians 13, 10 through 13. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do. It, it, I, I, had, I had worked with this uh, women's group for a while. And it got to the point where I wasn't the lead speaker. I was one of the speakers. And it, me and the lead speaker were kind of like, you know, we're just throwing pearls to the swines. You know, do we really want to keep doing this? And we really prayed and asked God, is this something that we should continue doing? Now, we're booked now, so we're going to do this now. And one of my thing was, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm kind of rebellious in spirit. You probably saw that in my bio. If I can't teach Jesus, I don't want to do it. You know, and I don't want somebody else to tell me what to say. Right. And I really want to feel like, that the Holy Spirit brought this. And I and I told her, I said, I think I'm going to take this verse differently than what they think I'm going to do. And she was fine with it. And she goes, go for it, because it's probably our last time. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> so I took it in a different direction. And um, it was a hit. Next thing I know, with, with this women's group, other people were, I'm sorry if my screen keeps going dark. Um, other people would come from other churches or surrounding areas where they would invite their sister or sister-in-law or something, mother, mother-in-law. So they went to other churches, and so they were like, come and teach this over at my church, and come and teach this at my Sunday school class. Come and teach this at my life. Next thing you know, I'm teaching. And God took me from 1 Corinthians 13 to Matthew and then another portion in um, Psalms, and just redevelop this and it was a process it was a learning thing and and i actually was able to share a little bit of my testimony within it too um i had a harder time a hard relationship with my mom and um you know i didn't really i'll be honest one of the reasons oh let me back up a little bit so as i went for a number of years teaching this at various menus um People kept saying, you need to write this in a book. You need to write this in a book. You need to put this in a book. And I didn't want to do it while my mom was still alive. Because I just, I'm forgiven. She's forgiven. You know, life goes on. But I didn't, she takes things differently than I actually present it. And I didn't know how she would take it. 
But it got to the point when I developed my coaching ministry that I was referring to the, what I would have written in a book. And I thought, you've got to get this in the book so that your coaching people can buy the, buy the book, not to support me, but because this is what we talk about was in this book. And um, so finally I wrote the book. I just got it out there so um, God can use it as a tool to help people. And um, I, I forgot what I'm talking about. <laughs> I was talking about me all of a sudden, and all of a sudden yeah. I went right. writing the book. Yeah, and how you ended up writing it. So I ended up writing it, and my mom's okay. I told her, I told her about it, and I said I didn't, I did nothing to to make you look really bad or anything. It's just all forgiven. It's things that we worked through. So hopefully. Well, you know, you know, tell our story. You know, our story is ours, but there's so many other people involved and it does make it very challenging. So, but, you know, we have to understand that if God is leading us to do something, it's almost disobedient not to do it. So, right. so how long has it been out? How long has the book been out? Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I put it out last fall or the beginning of this year. <laughs> I didn't sell a book until the beginning of this year, but I think I put it out last fall. Um, at the end, I think it was one of those things where I was saying that um, I need to get this out and this is going to be done before the year's over. So, and I did kind of rush it at the end instead of having, you know, somebody proofread it better for me. But like I said, I, I'm not a procrastinator. And so it was one of those things. I just had to get it off my table. I just had to get it out there um, and see what God did with it. I mean, I'll be honest. I just had to get it off my table. Well, obviously, the, the, you need somebody out there needed what you had to say, and yeah. that's important. So important. So you're in the process of writing a second book. So share with us a little bit about that. Sorry I'm about sorry, that. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Lady. Um, so you're asking about my second book? Yes. Yeah, this one. Um, wow, this one has really blown my socks off. I have seen God work like crazy. Um, I really don't remember how this book got started. Um, I was doing a teaching series and I can't remember if it came through the Iwana ministry or one of the conferences or I, I really do not remember how this got started. Um, it may have just been a quiet time Bible study. And when I was asked to speak, I said, Hey, let me speak on this instead of that. Or I, I don't remember. <laughs> and as I was reading, um, straight out of the Bible, verse, you know, verse by verse by verse, I looked at it and I went, this is actually a battle plan. I, I really feel like God brought that to my mind because there's no way I could have said that myself. Right. And I looked at it and, um, and I kind of outlined it in five steps. You know, I put these verses in step one, this is step two, this is step three, step four, step five. And I put it out there and I, Preached it one day and nothing happened. It just didn't go anywhere. And I thought, well, you know, whatever. You know, God's going to do what God's going to do. But it took a while. The ladies out there who were receiving the message would call me. And they would ask me. And I think everybody in that original meeting had called me. I really honestly believe everybody. I don't think there was one person who didn't call me at one time or another. And they laid something before me. And I would say, remember that that teaching that I did. Let's look. Let's take your situation and put it back onto this situation. You know, with, with the scriptures. 
Maggie, I'm telling you, I have seen Heaven's Gate open up, God restoring what the locusts have devoured for years in people's lives. I have seen the incarcerated set free. I have seen the hungry be fed. I have seen marriages brought together, marriages where it was over, divorce papers signed, they came back together. I have saw drug addict children come back home and now they're living and working for Jesus Christ. I have casted out demons with ladies with this. Women have been taken off their anti-anxiety pills and their depression pills. Let me tell you something about the anti-anxiety pills. If you're listening, bear with me. No, this is from my heart. I know we live in a culture of pharmaceuticals, but in um, 70, 80 years ago, in our churches, they used to preach against um, drugs. We didn't take drugs as Christians. We didn't drink caffeine as Christians, except for coffee. But <laughs> we didn't take drugs. Drugs was preached as a tool, a foothold of Satan. These benzoin drugs, um, the Paxils and the Klonopins and, um, and others, when you are on these and you try to get off, you have at least two years of demonic oppressions that are so vivid and so real. Your daydreams, your night dreams, and the way you live is so demonic that people literally go back on these because they have to stop the demonic visions, dreams, or whatever's been happening in their lives. It really is a tool of Satan. I have talked to these to ladies who have been on these types of the benzoids, and they have done things that they never thought in a million years they would ever do. Never. And they come to me crying, Cheryl, I can't believe I did this. I swore to you I would never do this again. And here I am doing this. Hmm. We have got to get off Ben's way. And here's the key. Let me, um, my girlfriend, she gives me permission to share this with you. She was 50 years old, decided to change her life at 14, 14 and 16. I can't remember which one she got put on first. I think antidepressant at 14, anti-anxiety at 16, or vice versa. Taking Klonopin, Paxil, Paxil first, Klonopin, 50 years old, decided enough is enough. She lost everything, has completely lost everything and it led her to doing cocaine and other stuff that she never thought she would ever do so she is went to rehab for 30 days got clean and wanted me to be her um we call it sponsor and and coach her through this and a couple of months into it um she was like i'm having she was you might think i'm crazy she goes, what do you think about demons and stuff? She goes, I am just fighting demons like crazy. They're in my dreams. I'm having daydreams. I think I've seen them. They're just like, and I, um, so anyways, I studied the benzoids and um, got back to her. And I said, yeah, I said, there are people, there's a Facebook group for benzoid people that for two years, they're saying it is very traumatic. And the Facebook group is they encourage people, hold on, hold on. When we get past two years, it's going to get easier. It doesn't go away unless you have Jesus Christ, but it does get easier for whatever reason after two years. Um, but anyways, it's a support group. And so we did the battle plan, and it wasn't working. We did the battle plan, and it wasn't working. And I had done the battle plan with her and saw miraculous things happen in our lives, and I couldn't figure out why. And so one day she called me first thing in the morning, terrified. She goes, she goes, okay, I am, I am dead. 
She goes, I am dead. I'm going to die. These demons are going to kill me. And I, I, she goes, I don't know what to do. And she was shaken. You can tell she was shaken. They tormented her through the night. And um, so I said, let's battle plan. And we started praying. And um, I think I forgot to mention that in the battle plan, I realized you could do it as a prayer. So we prayed it and got to step four. Step four is the hardest part. This is where people walk away and say, I'm not going to do it because I don't want to do this. You have to give an offering to God. If you don't give an offering or surrender something to God, you know, it just kind of stops there. This is our offering. This is where we surrender is in step four. So we started praying and she said, Lord, I know why. Oh, let me back up a minute. I talked to John Spurgeon. I think a lot of you people out there know John Spurgeon. He's um, with the prison ministry, works with our incarcerated and has a fellowship. And I asked him, why do you, have you seen, um inmates come off these benzoids and be fine and then others are terrible you know tra traumatized and he's like oh yeah and so he should you know share his experience and i said what's the difference what's the key well i found out the key with this my my friend that had called me got to step number four and she says lord you just reminded me i have a, cr a, a crumpled up palonopin sitting in my purse and I guess in the back of my mind, I thought, you know, I could just do that. And I told her, I explained to her about the Holy Spirit, how he's represented as fire and and, um, and wind. And so she went, and I said, I don't care how, her, how much you love this wallet. You've got to burn it. I don't care how expensive it is. You need to contribute an offering to God. She called me back, and she said, oh, yeah, I went and burned my Tylenol, my all, my... <laughs> <laughs> she goes, I burned everything. And um, never once had another demonic episode. And I said, that's the key. We totally 100% have to surrender. Yes. And uh, so, exactly. And there might be things that you think isn't going to be an issue, or it's like, I'm just going to pretend it's not there. God knows. He knows everything. Right. You can't fool God. But um, yeah. So. Um, that's what my book, my next book is about. And Maggie, I'm going to tell you something. Oh, give me a drink of water. Um, this is, sorry, my screen keeps going out. This is my opinion, okay? Audience, this is my opinion. Don't complain about God about me. This is my opinion. <laughs> I think we're in the last days. I don't see pre-trib. I'm actually a mid-tribber. I hope we're not going to be post-trib. And I think people need to stop relying on being pre-trip because what if it's not? What are you yeah, going yeah. to do then? You have to spiritually prepare yourself that it's not going to be pre-trip. And if you are wanting to hide behind that, that label, you're going to suffer. We are, the coronavirus hit. And I said, I, I got inundated by, by videos and teachings and stuff. And it was all on the mark of the BC, end times, whatever. And I'm sorry, I couldn't listen and read them all because some of them like two hours long. And it's like, why'd you send me six of them? You know, <laughs> I don't have 1,400 hours here. But anyways, um, and so at one point I thought to myself, okay, what if the mark of the beast, what if this vaccine was the start of the mark of the beast. 
I'm not gaining the mark of the beast. How do I live? And God brought to me Elijah and the ravens. He says, don't worry about it. I got you. I said, okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> but I think I need to get this book out because it's going to be a real intense battle spiritually. And if we are playing Christians, we're going to be eaten alive. It's true. Literally. Um, right now, where is it? In Australia or Africa or whatever? The locusts. In, in Revelations chapter 9, whatever, the, the Avalon comes up, and he also is a god of locusts. And we are being devoured by locusts right now. We don't hear about it because everything's on, you know, it's only one issue that they want you to focus on. Um, but we have got to get ourselves right with God. I'm not saying perfect because I'm never going to be perfect. You're never going to be right, perfect. Right, right. But we have got to get ourselves in a position to be right with God. And if this book can be a tool to help people to fight these spiritual battles, um, I would love to see what God does with it. Or, you know, not my book, just any book. Just get in the Word of God. Just seek God. Just get in there and let God train you to rely on Him so that the ravens can feed you. Does that make sense? Totally. I'll be honest, I'm not 100% sure I am that kind of a person to have the ravens feed me. <laughs> I want to know where they got the food, how clean it is. <laughs> I trust you, God, but I don't like manna every day. <laughs> um, I can have it one day a week maybe, but not every day breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I don't like you know to eat the same thing over and over and over again. But we need to, me, I, like I said, I'm preaching to myself. I need to, we need to get into a place where we know that we can rely on God to take care of us. So that if we cannot buy, we cannot sell, and we're still alive, what are we going to do about it? You've hit on a very deep, very controversial topic, and I and I firmly believe, and you're absolutely right. People need to be ready. The board tells us to be ready in and out of season, and we know the times that we're living in. And you know, we can never. <clears throat> it's funny because whenever I, you know, trained early on as a Christian, you know, I can read the Bible and I see it. You've seen the pre-trib, and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. Studied it mid-trib, and said, yeah, I can see that too. Studied it post-trib, and said, yes, I can see that as well. And so I, you know, I people, I, I'm always like, I'm a pan-trib. It's going to pan out, but it's not <laughs> going to pan out unless we are ready. And um, you know, the word instructs us to watch the times and the seasons. When you watch the times and the seasons and what we're going, what all's going on in the world right now, it's enough to make you do what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm homesteading. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I mean, we have to take, you know, faith without works is dead. And, you know, so for those of you out there going, okay, well, that's not what I believe in everything. Go to the scriptures, go to the Greek, go to the Hebrew, study, get that word down in you, because that is going to be the thing. And you have to have a battle plan. I encourage you to get Cheryl's current book, but also get the new one coming out. Because if you do not have a strategy, the spirit realm is very, very real. And yeah. a lot of people, you know, I've seen a statistic, Cheryl, and it really, it, it, 
totally flipped me out when I read it, that like 60% of Christians don't even believe that there is a real adversary, a real devil. They think that it's just a representation for evil in the world. And I've got news for you. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus came to give you life. And so there are constantly that struggle and that war in the spirit realm. Now here in the U.S., we're very comfortable. We've got our computers and we got our TVs and we've got all of our social stuff and we don't see the manifestation. But Cheryl, I know you've been out on the mission field. And so in other countries, things, you know, listen, the devil is just wide open. I mean, it's yeah. very apparent. And he just he just hides behind all of our pretty stuff in the U.S. So those of you that are watching, you know, secular media and you're thinking that you're getting the full story, you are not getting the full story. I encourage you to take heed to some of the words that Cheryl was led to say. We didn't talk about this or plan on going this direction. But it is <laughs> very, very important right now that you understand the times that we live in. And we're not here to tell you, you know, we're not trying to stretch your theology. We're telling you go to the word of God. Because everything that you need for life is in the word. So, you know, Cheryl, if you had to leave the audience with one key today, what would that key be? And I know we had talked about the powerfulness of walking in unity with people and seeing, you know, having that faith like a child, but also interacting with kids like a child. I think, you know, with with all of your years with, uh, you know, all of the ministries you've been involved in that you've probably got some nugget or maybe even a scripture that you would leave the audience with today. Um, yeah, I thought I was going to leave one, but I think I'm going to go for another. Um, in my book, I, I refer to Psalms um, 8, 6, and I have to read it here. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may be si silenced the enemy and the avenger. And when that was written, um, King David had fled Judea and Israel because Saul was trying to kill him. And there was no place to hide in Israel or Judea. So he had left and went to Gath. And Gath is where Goliath was. And I believe that David picked up five smooth stones because Goliath had four big sons and was wondering if those four big boys might be coming to avenge their father. And, of course, they didn't. So he's hiding in the, the land of Gath, where these four big boys live, where the Palestinians live, um, the Philistines, I'm sorry, live, that when, when the battle was over and David won, they were now in the servitude of Israel. So they're not happy with David. These four big boys are not happy with David. He's hiding in the land of his enemies, hiding from his enemies. And kind of like in a pit. In fact, one of these words in the Hebrew if you look at it, is um, also defined as pit. But in this verse, without the mouth of babes, these babes have no voice. We are silenced because of our enemies. Either we're hiding in the pit or we're in the pit of despair, we're in the pit of anger, we're in the pit of um, confusion, whatever our pit is and hiding. The verse says that God will hear us and he will avenge us. And it's like he hears he, he, that spirit inside of us um, because of your enemies, those that are wanting to, and that word is depression. That's actually you inside yourself, mm -hmm. the depression and those who come against you, the, your, uh, that you're not them physically, but what they are doing inside of you, yeah. that he hears you. He will deliver you. And we know the end of the story. David was delivered. He became king of Israel, you know. But that's what God wants to do for us. So um, when uh, Matthew 24, when Jesus was saying, do not be deceived, 
that that deceived in the Greek actually refers to don't deceive yourself. Not some pastor coming to you, not Maggie or Cheryl talking to you. That is don't let yourself be deceived. That's, right. That's why we were saying earlier, both Maggie and I, you've got to get into the word of God. You've got to get yes. into the truth. Yes. So that we are not deceived, so that when we are in the pit, we rely on the truth and the Holy Spirit will come and speak truth to us and we know that God's going to deliver us. And so anyways, I, I just want to encourage everybody. It doesn't matter where your life's at right now. God is still in control. He hears you and he's there. Amen. That is so good, Cheryl. And, uh, you know, I, I love this. I love King David. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible. And, you know, I love the fact that even in times when he was hiding out, he encouraged himself in the Lord. So you may feel alone right now. You may be out there going, man, I am, I am stuck in the house or I can't go back to work right now or this is going on or that's going on or feel overwhelmed. Um, I encourage you to seek the Lord because you can be encouraged by him, by his word and going deeper in the season is a very wise thing to do. So Cheryl, I want to thank you for being on here. Can you tell the, the viewers how they can reach out to you if they are looking for coaching, counseling? And it sounds like you deal with deliverance as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> well, unfortunately, I, that is not my forte. And um, I, I'm, I'm a homeschool mom. I got one left. She graduates next year. All my focus is on her. So I haven't developed a blog or, or an article or or website or anything. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm okay. Cheryl Pancrat, so you can get me there. I have a lion as my profile picture because that's my my king, my Jesus Christ represented as the Lion of Judah. Um, you can reach me on Facebook. I actually do Bible studies on Facebook messages. Really? <laughs> I have a handful of ladies who um, they ask me questions about certain verses and where they're at, and I get back to them and encourage them. What have you been reading? Oh my goodness, I haven't read for two weeks. I will get on it. Um, so you can reach. I guess the best place would be on Facebook. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And then from there, I'm actually a life coach, a professional coach, and a financial coach. And I'm not one of these people that woke up one day. I did go to school. It's a master's level program at a Christian college in Florida. And um, if you need coaching. Um, I would love to walk you through things. If you just need to pass something by me and uh, as a mentoring thing, I'll do that. Um, so, yeah. That's great. And also, you guys, make sure you check the link for her book. It is available on Amazon. The link is available for you to make it easy for you. And do be watching for that book coming out because everybody needs a battle strategy. And if you if you don't have the proper steps, you're not going to get to where you're at. And I love the fact that you have people literally as one of the battle steps as a surrendering to the Lord and giving an offering and taking that weight and heavy thing and giving it to him. And that's when we can really truly seek freedom. So sure. I want to thank you for being on the broadcast today. It has been such a pleasure. Uh, we absolutely love hearing excitement people from bringing the truth of God's word and, uh, I'm just thankful for you. So viewers, I want you to make sure that you get this out to your friends. Uh, share with those that need a word of encouragement. Watch for Cheryl's second book. Make sure you get her first book as well, because this is deep knowledge of a woman that's been her entire life uh, educating others in the word of God. So thank you, Cheryl. Y'all be blessed. We'll see you next time on Keys to Your Best Life. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl.